All right, guys. Well, it's great to see everyone here. Um, yeah, Mike's going to be out. He's gone for a few days for work, so he asked me to step in for him, which I was gladly and nervously able to do. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, let's go ahead and pray one more time. Father God, we just come before you, and we just thank you so much for this day, Father. We thank you that we can come here freely to, to, to read your word, Father God, to, to praise you as we just have done, Father God, and to study your word, Father God, to know you more on a personal level, Father. So we ask that you would just open up our hearts, Father, that you would speak to us individually, Father God, and as a body, as your children, Lord. And may we just would have hearts to receive and, and ears to listen, Father God. And may the words that be spoken tonight be not of me, Father God, completely of you, Father. And we just thank you so much, Lord, that we are free from the bondage of sin because of you, because of your Son. So we just be unglorified tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. First Corinthians chapter 1. So a little background about the um, book of Corinthians. So Paul obviously wrote this book, and he wrote it around 56 AD, so about 56 years after Jesus' death. And Paul, he, he themed this book, and he, he speaks a lot about Christian conduct, you know, how we should act, calling ourselves like Christ. And he wrote it while he was in uh, Ephesus to the church of Corinth, which he himself, you know, planted and started. Now, for those of you guys, who, for those of you who don't know, Corinth was a really big city. It was a very big port city, so a lot of a lot of ships, a lot of trading, um, a lot of people coming in and out of this place. You know, carrying different things. You know, everything that anyone needed was there, and so a lot of different people coming and going. And it was also a city of, that, held, that was home to the temple um, of Aphrodite, which was the goddess of love and pleasure. And so you have a city, you have multiple religions, multiple different people. You have a temple filled with prostitution. And so this, 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 was, like the, this was like the Vegas of, of the biblical days. It was just, it was horrible. And so you have a lot going on, a lot of sin, a lot of problems. And you have this church with a lot of problems. And so Paul's going to be speaking to this church, to the, to, the, to the church of Corinth. Because, I mean, if it was me, I'd be needing a lot of encouragement, a lot of leadership. And so Paul's going to be speaking to them. And so let's go ahead and start. And we're going to be verses 1 through 17. Let's read it. It said, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs, excuse me, and ours. Verse three, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which is given to you by Jesus, by Christ Jesus, that you are enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even, verse 6, as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will also confirm to you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 11, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptize any other. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So let's go back to the intro. And so we see Paul declaring who he is to this church and what he does. In this one statement, guys, Paul's already giving us an example of being bold in the faith. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. So he declares it right then and there. He is not ashamed. In Corinth, there was a lot of Christians at the time who had a hard time with Paul. He was kind of a hard pill to swallow because of his past, because of what he used to do when he was Saul. But we still see Paul being bold. He didn't care about what his reputation was, what happened in the past. He has a confidence in his calling from the Lord and what God has for him. You know, can, we, can we say that about ourselves? Can we say that we are bold, that we are unashamed for God? You know, I know a lot of times growing up, I would be embarrassed to say, you know, that I was a Christian. It's because I didn't want to be made fun of. I didn't want to be rebuked or have a certain reputation. But if God has called us to do that, just as he has called Paul, then why shouldn't we be proud of that? Why shouldn't we declare that we are like Christ, that we choose to be that way? The God of the universe has created us to do his work. The God of the universe that created everything that you see and everything that you don't has called us personally by name to do what he wants us to do, what he's called us to do. You know, I thought about it. I said, what if, you know, what if, um, you know, a famous person came up to you and called you by name and asked you to do something for them? I'm sure almost every single one of us would jump at the snap of a finger be ecstatic to do what he want for what he or she wanted us asked us to do. And then I think about it, I said, God calls us to do his work every day. And are we always ecstatic to do the same thing? You know, and I, I got so convicted because I could honestly say that, no, not always. Do you wake up and say, you know, I want to work for the Lord. I want to do the Lord's work. I'm excited. You know, that should be our attitude every morning when we wake up. Verse 2, 
It says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So now Paul's declaring who he's writing this to, the church of God. It's not the church of Corinth. It's not the church of Paul. The church of God. You know, and a lot of people today, they associate the word church as a, a building or a place where you gather or where you go on Sundays and Wednesdays. You know, the word church comes from the Greek word, I'm going to butcher this, so just bear with me, ekklesai. I don't even know if I pronounced it right, probably not even close. But it means an assembly of people gathered together for a specific purpose. So Paul's not writing this to a building. He's not writing this to a certain section of the city. He's writing this to the people who are gathered, to the people themselves. And, and, and we notice that Paul calls the church sanctified and saints. So he, he sets them apart because they, they are part of a higher calling. We are set apart because we are called to a higher calling. He calls them saints. We are saints, you guys. A person who, this is the definition of a saint, a person who is sanctified or one who has a closeness to God. We should be able to say that about ourselves. This church who has so many problems, who's in such a perverse part of the city, who's in such a perverse city itself, and he calls them saints, he calls them set apart. Are we set apart? Do you, do you consider yourself set apart? Verse 3 says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A common phrase that Paul uses, he actually uses it five other times in his letters in the Bible. He says, grace and peace. And I was reading a commentary by, by David Guzik. And he said, he said, without grace, you guys, there can be no peace. Without grace, there can be no peace. You guys, without God's grace, we can never be at peace. And so that's why we should thank God every day. And we're going to continue in verse 4, and we're going to talk about Paul's thankfulness. Before he does anything else, he thanks the Lord. And we're going to talk about that here in verse 4. It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Guys, we are nothing without God's grace. We need it desperately. And so before Paul does anything else, he thanks the Lord. Before we do anything else, do we always thank the Lord? Are we thankful in our lives for what the Lord does for us? So many times, guys, we take the Lord's grace for granted. You know, I remember I, I was at Bible college one time, and I, you know, I, I did something stupid that I shouldn't have done. And it was a reoccurring thing. And I remember my, my, our dean of men, he said one thing to me, and it stuck with me. He said, do not ever think that just because you pray for forgiveness and for God's grace and mercy, that it gives you an excuse to keep doing it over and over. Without grace, there's no peace, you guys. And it wasn't, it wasn't the best time in my life, I'll be honest. You know, I wasn't always at peace, but because of God's grace, we can actually have that, you guys. 
Let's read verses five through seven. It says that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed to you so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this church, he's thanking this church, and the church was not, he talks about how they were enriched in everything by him, him being God. So they weren't just rich materially, but they were also, they also had a lot of knowledge. These guys weren't, even though they were a messed up church, they weren't stupid. They had a, no, a lot of knowledge in the Lord. Wisdom, maybe not so much, but they had, and they were enriched in everything by him. And then we see in verse 6 and 7 that, that Paul is thanking the Lord for, for those gifts that the Lord has given this church, even though they mess up even though they are so perverse and twisted sometimes. Like I said, this church wasn't dumb. They knew better, but they were choosing to be messed up. They were choosing to be disobedient. They were taking the Lord's grace and his mercy for granted. And so Paul's going to wake them up. (laughs) And I think a lot of times we need a little cold water in the face to wake us up sometimes, to realize what we have is not what we deserve because ultimately we deserve hell. But by the grace of God, we can have peace and we can be with him for eternity. Praise the Lord. Verse 8 and 9 says, Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul, now he goes in and he's explaining that even in their shortcomings and even in our shortcomings, God can overcome. He can cover those shortcomings, you guys. You know, I think a lot of times I was talking to our youth kids about this because this is what this is the book we're going through right now. And I know a lot of times those kids, they, they think that what they do defines who they are and they can't change that. You know, and I think a lot of us can even get caught up in, you know, something that we've made a mistake of in the past. And we think that that's what defines us. That's who we are. But you guys, God, he is so faithful to forgive. He is so faithful to us. But we need to be faithful to answer him back. He can't cover us unless we let him cover us. He has called us to be more. No matter what we did in our past, there is no sin besides denying the Lord that he cannot bring us back from. You guys, he loves you guys and he wants to cover you, but we have to let him. Verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You know, Paul was, he was a very influential person in this church. And in this verse, Paul is, Paul is asking, he's asking them to be, to be joined, to not be divided. You know, we... We are called to be the body of Christ. You know, I think a lot of times these days, the church gets so caught up in 
no, our church, our church does it this way, or our church does it that way, or back at, back when I used to go to this church, we did it this way. I think that's way better than, it doesn't matter. As long as we have the common goal of glorifying the Lord, of serving him, that should be all that matters. You know, you have different parts of the body, but we all serve the same purpose. You know, you have the worship, just the example, you have a worship band up here. So you have, you have guitars, you have background singers, you have drums, you have a bass. They all are different, different parts of the band, but they all serve the same purpose. They all mesh together and work together. You know, I think a lot of times we get caught up in what he or she is doing that. We need to remember that there should be unity. And Paul's reminding this church that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, where you live at, what church you used to go to. We're the church of God, Christ, of God. So there should be unity. Verse 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. You know, a little background, like who the heck, who the heck is Chloe? It's not, you know, it's not Zayden and Lori's daughter. <laughs> you know, Chloe was, um, she was actually, in, in, in back in this day, she was actually a businesswoman who had a lot of people traveling to do, to do her, her business, her work. And this is how Paul actually ended up finding about, finding out about the state, the perverse state that the church of Corinth was in. And so Paul is hearing about these contentions. He's hearing about these quarrels and these problems that the church is having. So Chloe was a a, a good part in in Paul writing this, this, this letter to the church. So just a little background about that. Let's move on to verse 12 and 13. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So we see that the church now, they're starting to divide themselves into, into cliques, into groups. You know, I think so many times we do that. I think so many times in our lives we, we have, you know, a, a clique, a group. You know, oh, I want to, you know, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to hang out with them. You know, it's easy to get, it's easy to get caught up in, in, in division and separating yourself from other. Oh, they smell weird. Oh, oh they, they look weird. Oh, I don't like the way they, they, they talk. You know, we're human. We're stupid sometimes. That's not what God wants us to do. You know, we are one body. You're in Christ. And Paul rebukes us. Coming up here in verse 13, he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Man didn't do anything for you guys. He doesn't do it. Man doesn't do anything for us. It was Christ Jesus who did everything for us. Paul wasn't crucified for you. Christ was. And so our allegiance, our loyalty, and our being 
should be the Lord's and his only. And yet we get caught up because we don't like the way a certain person sings or how a certain pastor teaches. I'm guilty of it. You know, I know a lot of us are. But the bottom line is that they are speaking the Lord's word. And that should be all that matters. The unity, the same calling that we all have. It's the Lord's and only his. It's not ours. Judah verses 14 through 17 says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So Paul is saying here, you know, apparently some, uh, uh, to me, apparently some of these people made a big deal that, that Paul baptized them. You know, people were kind of starstruck. You know, I was just talking to a few of the guys earlier about, about Joe Foch and how, you know, you get so starstruck when you see these guys at men's retreats and how amazing you hear them on the radio, how amazing they speak. But guess what? They're just a man just like you. They sin just as much as you. They deserve heaven no less or no more than you do. And yet we get so starstruck you know, by pastors, by singers, and so people are obviously are making a deal here that, you know, oh, well, I was baptized by Paul, so I'm better than you. My baptism was way better than yours was. And so Paul, you know, he kind of nips that. And he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. And he goes on later on in verse 17. And he talks more about it, that the reason he didn't want people trying to follow and idolize him because he knows he's just a man, that he has his faults just like every single one of these people do. You know, sin is sin. Whether you lie, whether you murder, sin is sin. And rather than following and worshiping the Lord, these people are, are following and worshiping a man who has faults. And so, of course, Paul, you know, just because he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, he's not saying that he doesn't want to baptize people because, of course, that's, it. that's what he's put. He leads people to the Lord. He wants to baptize and save as many as he can. But if it comes at the cost of dividing the body of Christ and the church, then he would rather not. You know, I think a lot of times, that should be our attitude sometimes. I think a lot of times, you know, in the church, we get so caught up in how well we do something, you know, how people, how we want people to, to notice that, oh, they're, they're a much better, you know, singer than this person. And, and then soon enough, they start, they don't care about the worship, they care about who's, worship, who's doing the worship, about who's teaching. And then you have division, because then you have people liking someone more than other people. And then before you know it, there's only a certain group coming at this time and only a certain group going at that time. And before you know it, you guys, there is division, there is cliques, there is group, and that is not what we are called to do. 
We are called, and I will say it again, for unity, you guys. We are the body of Christ. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, meaning that he didn't want his words to be his words. He wanted them to be the Lord's. He did, and nothing else mattered. He's making it clear here in this verse. See, lest the cross of the Christ should be made of no effect. I think we should really take this verse to heart, you guys. A lot of times we get so lost on why we're here. We get so focused on, on what we do and how we do it that we forget the reason why we do it in the first place. And that's to serve the Lord. And I'm not saying what you guys are doing is bad. I'm not saying, you know, how you do things is bad because they're not. If it is glorifying the Lord, if he has gifted you with the ability to do something, then you do it wholeheartedly because the Lord has given you that gift. But you need to make sure that you honor the Lord and that you give him the glory first. Paul isn't trying to do anything more than preach the gospel. Because when, when he says not with wisdom of words, he's speaking of, of how he speaks, what kind of words he uses. You know, a lot of people get, you know, so caught up in, oh, he, has, he, has a, he speaks so well, or, you know, he doesn't stutter when he speaks, or he has a really cool accent when he speaks, so I love hearing him speak. None of that matters. It has everything to do with him preaching Jesus Christ. And if someone who is speaking the gospel and, and teaching it is taking away from the gospel and trying to, to draw attention to himself or to herself, then they shouldn't be doing it. You know, speaking the word is a high calling that is very... Lord holds us very accountable and we need to make sure that we don't mislead people, that we don't distract from what we're speaking and why we're speaking it. It should be about one thing and one thing only and that is God and that is Jesus Christ. And Paul, in closing, you guys, talking to this church and talking to us, how how are we portraying ourselves as Christ, as Jesus Christ's followers, as Christians? Are we thankful for him every day, for what he's given us, his grace, the peace that we can have because of grace? Are we thankful that he has chosen us? And do we use that freedom, that peace, the way we should? Or do we divide ourselves? You guys, we are one body. We are his before we are anybody else's. Family, friends, does not matter. Jesus Christ was, is, and always will be. In the end, we all get buried in the same dirt. 
but Christ conquered that for us. And we should honor him. We should glorify him the way that he deserves to be glorified. And that is by loving each other just as Christ has loved the church. Just as Christ loves each and every one of you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you so much and we just thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord, that surpasses everything. And we just praise you. We thank you so much. And as we just spend these next 15, 20 minutes, Lord, just praying to you, Lord, may, Lord, you just hear our prayers, Father God. And may you just be on glorified this time. We ask this in Jesus' name.